I'm Lindy Kaiser, Senior Editor of ClearanceJobs.com. Welcome to the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. Today we're talking information security and the OPM breach, a hot topic on the minds of pretty much anyone who's obtained a security clearance in the past decade or so. With us today is Christopher Burgess. Christopher Burgess is the CEO, co-founder, and president of Prevendra, a company that advocates for effective security strategies for private citizens and companies. He spent more than 30 years serving in the CIA, served as an advisor to the chief security officer at Cisco, and also worked at a small startup in the big data space. The cleared community has heard both a lot about the OPM breach over the past month and also very little, down to the fact that affected persons haven't even been notified yet. So what's your perspective as a professional in the security industry as far as how the breach has been announced to the cleared community, how it's been handled by OPM so far? The OPM breach has been somewhat of a debacle. And and let me explain, because uh, it, it's always easy to throw a stone when you're outside, as opposed to catching them when you're, you're on the inside. Uh, they were breached a little over 18 months ago, and so they had a warning. They should have put in place their systems for notification, etc. The information available to me indicates that a vendor came in and was demonstrating their product and the breach was uh, discovered during the product demonstration. That, that That's great for the product, not so great for OPM. And the fact that it became public very quickly and the notification process has to be different for, for the OPM breach than it does for any other public breach. So it's not the same as your credit card breach. This This breach, the notification process, I would think would have to come through the organizations that you work within and have your clearances. So if you're uh, working with the Department of Defense and you're a contractor, it should come in through the classified system so that they can be absolutely transparent with you at what's been shared and what hasn't been shared. It appears that the SF-86, which is the document that we all bear our souls on, was in fact included in the breach. Those individuals who were included in the breach who no longer enjoy having a security clearance, but their historical data is there, they have to be contacted in a, in a more public manner through the postal service, certified letters, etc. That really has to be done quickly because every one of those individuals is uh, vulnerable at this time. So related to that, so many personnel affected by the breach in security clearance background investigations were also affected by the earlier federal personnel files breach, and I was one of those people. So I've gotten my notification from CSID, the company contracted by OPM, but a lot of folks who who were affected by that federal personnel files breach have said they're not going to take advantage of the free credit monitoring offered by that third-party company, and I've heard some security experts online advocating, telling cleared professionals, especially if you currently have a clearance, don't sign up for that third-party credit monitoring, even though they've been contracted by OPM, because that's just giving more information to a third party. Do you have any perspective on that, on whether it's a good idea to sign up for that credit monitoring, whether cleared professionals should be using an outside credit monitoring service already? or what the best step is. Full disclosure, I believe that identity monitoring is a good thing. Indeed, I am an advisor to a company that does just that, a competitor to CSID. So that puts me in the bias towards, I believe, monitoring one's identity or having another entity do it is a good idea. You can do it all yourself, just like you can maintain the engine of your automobile. But 
if you don't have the time to do it, nor the resources, nor the acumen, there are services that can do it for you. Credit monitoring, I believe, is the weakest link in the entire schema, and that is because you're looking at a historical picture as opposed to a real-time picture. The fact that uh, it's being offered, we will monitor your credit reports, well, you can monitor your own credit reports very easily, uh, and there are a lot of free resources available for you to do that. The counterintelligence threat that the CSID offering uh, is giving is that it validates the information and we are now all relying on a company such as CSID or any other entity that they are going to protect your identity as one of those involved in the breach better than OPM protected your identity. And if they are breached, then what, what happens is that you, you, you truly get a dual verification. The OPM breach was there, but is this, is this information truly valid? Well, by signing up for what the, the sole provider of the, the service, CSID, what that does is validate that not only is this accurate, but here is the more accurate, more timely information from the CSID database. What OPM should have done, in my opinion, was spread this uh, monitoring uh, capability across multiple vendors so that one vendor wasn't the target of an adversary. So whoever stole OPM is now going to be targeting CSID. And I think that is uh, one of the reasons why the, the security professionals that you may have spoken to are saying, wow, maybe you, you don't do this. Okay, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, so do you have any thoughts or insights as to the data breached? Many have accused OPM of unencrypting data, which is just, I think, flabbergasting to any of us in the security community. Do you really think the entire security clearance personnel file system was left unprotected? Um, can you speak to maybe some of the technical protocols that have been taken, knowing that a lot of what's been said, it's all pretty speculative at this point? Just kind of curious, did China really get the whole hog here, or is there a chance they only got a slice because OPM really hasn't clarified what exactly was stolen other than saying background investigation data. It certainly appears as the whole hog and the entire herd went out the door. Uh, that, that would be uh, where, where my starting point is. That's where my assumption is as a uh, counterintelligence professional. I would say if I have to deal with this without OPM sharing what's under the covers with me of what actually happened, then I'm going to assume that everything I ever provided to OPM, including that which was generated by the background investigation folks uh, on my background, the interviews with my neighbors, family and friends, uh, is all there. So if there's anything embarrassing in my life uh, that I revealed to the government, it now is uh, available in a uh, database of whoever stole uh, the OPM information. Uh, did OPM have their system totally unlocked? No. It was unlocked by coming at it from the inside out as opposed to the outside in. So once the breach occurred and they were inside, then they had the access as if they were working within the, uh, the entity because the databases that were stolen were transactional databases. These are databases that people have to get into and out every day. And so they're just not sitting there in encrypted state and people are divining what's inside. They actually have to open it up. So once you're inside the house, 
you can open up all the drawers, et cetera. It's, and, you know, so think of it as somebody got inside your house and they set up camp like a mouse. <laughs> and now the mice can go into all your drawers. You can pull out all your food from your pantry. You don't see them. He's there until you do discover him. When you discover him, you bring the exterminator in and you throw him out. That's the analogy I've been using with folks is mice get into your house a lot of different ways. Well, the same thing with network intrusions. Once they're in, then their access to uh, your goods and services, et cetera, from the inside out, even if you have them encrypted, they're accessing them as if they are a privileged person. It's a scary thought. You don't want mice in the OPM network. (laughs) Well, there you go. So what kind of effect do you think the breach will have on attracting new personnel to federal careers and security clearance careers in particular? Does this lax attitude with data have a morale impact on the existing workforce? As someone who worked in the intelligence community for a number of years, I was hoping you could speak to that. Sure. So there's uh, two two sectors to the uh, clearance process. The one is the intelligence community which does its own background investigation, handles their own data. And then there's OPM that handles all of the DOD and non-intelligence agency security clearances. It was that latter that's been breached. So generally speaking, if you were never in the military and you were never working for a civilian agency that was a non-intelligence agency, then your information has not been breached. It's sitting over there in the intelligence agency cocoons and uh, is safe and sound for the time being. Who knows? Maybe uh, we'll learn something uh, downstream. Will it have difficulty in attracting personnel? I don't think it'll have any effect whatsoever. People will still step forward to serve their nation. Uh, They will have the expectation, however, that Congress and others that have oversight over OPM will put their thumb down and uh, make sure that we still don't have the spigot running full open, that they've closed the spigot, and that from this point forward, we know our information is secure. Long-term effects, I think, are going to be revealed and played out over a long period of time. A lot of folks think that identities and information in uh, files such as this have a uh, lifespan of only a few years, but I disagree. I believe that an SF-86 accompanied by the background files on your uh, the interviews of your bosses, your former bosses, your neighbors, etc., are going to have tremendous utility to uh, either uh, nation states that are adversaries to the United States and are targeting individuals with access or criminals that are trying to leverage individuals because there's going to be a lot of information available in there that not to be used perhaps in a coercive manner, but to be used in a manner in which they put the benefit package to induce you to uh, assist them specifically geared to what they learned from the SF-86 and the rest of the information. It's pretty scary. Okay, yes, there's been a lot of kind of speculation that, oh, blackmail's kind of, I've heard it described online as like a blunt instrument of the intelligence kind of collection, you know, process. Yeah, coercive uh, inducements is uh, is a blunt instrument used mostly in the criminal world for short-term gain in an intelligence world. You like a long-term game. And so what you, you're trying to do is you induce somebody to assist you in a collaborative manner, and it's much more productive than trying to blackmail somebody to share because anyone who's being blackmailed or anyone who's been blackmailed, all they're trying to do is get out from under it. 
So you, you can't trust anything that's coming out of their mouth or uh, being passed forward. They're, they're truly just trying to get out from under it. So that it, it's, it's not a collaborative relationship. And the most productive intelligence operations are always with collaborative individuals. But you do think blackmail will be used? Because I have heard a lot of folks kind of trying to downplay that and say, well, really, the risk of blackmail is it's only a small thing for the population. I think blackmail uh, could be used. It absolutely is available. The criminal element, because it, we, we don't know for certain who has it. And as, as I wrote in my own book, uh, Secret Stolen Fortunes Lost, the perfect storm is when a nation state uh, asks criminal elements to acquire intellectual property from uh, competitors of, country, of, uh, of companies that are inside uh, and producing for the GNP. So there's a lot of nations out there that are one-trick ponies, and there are a lot of nations that don't give any uh, credence to protecting intellectual property of third parties. And so if they slip the files over to the criminal side and say, okay, here are the people we know have access. We don't have any access to them. You're a criminal. All we want is this file. We don't want a long-term relationship, et cetera. There you go. You, you have a prime opportunity for a coercive approach. And as you mentioned before that we don't yet know who's perpetrated the, the breach. Some officials have confirmed or, or said, stated that China was behind it. The White House, we, there's really no official confirmation of that, however. Do you think country of origin matters for the purpose of the breach and how the information is used? And do you go along with the narrative that it was China? Or are you pretty open, open-minded now as far as who might have been behind it? The initial reports were all bits are pointing to China. There is a sufficient track record of uh, attacks coming out of China uh, of this nature to say, wow, it might look, uh, it sure looks like China. Attribution in this case is only important to the intelligence and the counterintelligence entities. To OPM, attribution is not so important. The fact of the matter is anyone with resources similar to that which the attacker had could also have been in there. So you think of it as the, uh, you know, the, the, the Russian financial mafia, the, the hacker networks that are out there, anonymous. All of these folks had, could have had access to similar tools. Uh, we see uh, Dooku, for example, as, uh, was used in uh, targeting the Iranian delegation. And so these tools are out there for everyone to use, and they're available for hire on the dark web. In, in the different kiosks or bazaars, if you will, that are out there. And so attribution is less important. Entities such as OPM should be locking down against all threats, including those from nation states. Where it comes in handy is so that you can brief your personnel on how to deflect an approach that was used based on an individual having access to your SF-86. You filled out an FS-86, I have as well. You bear your soul there. And everything from did you use pot to uh, do you have a drinking problem? How often do you uh, do you see your psychiatrist is in there? And that information, like I said, can be used on either side of that sort of coerciveness or cooperativeness to approach our personnel. And that, that gives me my, my greatest fear is that if I had all of this information as a targeting officer of an intelligence agency, I am sitting in tall grass. 
So you worked for the CIA, one segment of the intelligence community who specifically um, does not use OPM to process its background investigations. So is this breach one of the reasons why? Why the intelligence community has, you know, has scattered castles, has their own separate process for conducting background investigations? And is this kind of a sign that the government knew for a while that OPM was not the most secure in processing and maintaining its data. Wouldn't it be nice if someone could say, yeah, they had this presence to understand this, but that's not the reason. (laughs) Uh, The reason that they're separated is that the intelligence community uh, engages in covert activity. They have individuals that uh, work under alias, uh, and there was no need to reveal the identity of individuals who might have to work undercover in dangerous situations to a greater population, which is the general security population. So back when the security uh, regime was created, it was definitive. We are going to split the populations and these folks will be, uh, their identities will be kept secret within the intelligence community and their clearances are able to be passed back and forth, but their uh, the nuts and bolts and meat and potatoes of their files are kept within the sponsoring agency. So if somebody worked for the National Security Agency, National Security Agency has their file. If somebody worked for the CIA, it would be the CIA had their file. If somebody worked for uh, Department of Energy, Department of Energy would have that file. Yeah, the intelligence community takes some hits for their lack of information sharing. But when things like this come out, I'm kind of like, you know, keep to your stovepipes, people. So maybe, maybe, that's a, <laughs> maybe that's a better solution. It could be. Um, so what can you speak a little bit to some of the immediate steps the government should be taking um, in response to this? We talked a little bit, you know, about how they should maybe be notifying personnel and some tips for that. But what what steps should should OPM really be taking now in response to this? They should check their egos at the door. Uh, they should absolutely uh, take their fingers and put them in their pockets instead of pointing them at, around. This is less about who's to blame and more about. Uh, let's lock it down. Let's learn from this. Let's create the ecosystem that really protects the the individuals and the information that they have shared in confidence such that we will continue to attract the best and the brightest to serve their nation in in a classified environment. And And that's really important. While I said earlier, I don't think it'll detract. I think that we owe it to the next generation of federal employees dealing in classified environments, putting together the architecture and the structure. And to do that, you need resources and resources means money. And if you go back and you look post uh, the 2013 breach and the activity that followed after it, none of those recommendations were taken and they were all blamed on lack of fiscal resources. Earmark the money. That's Congress's job. Monitor how it's spent. That's Congress's oversight. And then OPM, bring in the best and the brightest from industry to create a secure environment so that you can do your job and you have the opportunity to detect when uh, there's a mouse trying to get into your house. And then as far as the security cleared personnel who are affected by the breach, what steps should those individuals be taking now, knowing that their data was compromised? You can do two things. The first and foremost is you should be checking your financial resources every day because they've been revealed, your banks, et cetera. Uh, Some of those you can change. So in a file before, you can make it obsolete. You should sensitize those in your immediate circle to the likelihood that personal information that you put in your SF-86 and that you revealed during your polygraphs, et cetera, 
if that was the case, uh, may be revealed. And it's always better if it comes from you directly to your family than if a third party leverages that information to create very real phishing attacks, that's P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, where they use the knowledge they gleaned from the files to uh, spoof you, for example, to a third party and or uh, spoof you directly uh, based on information they gleaned from it. So you're going to have to be hyper vigilant. Uh, there are two things you can do immediately to protect yourself, and that is uh, adopt a no-click philosophy of life on anything that comes across in emails or in IMs, etc. You really have to take on the approach of trust no one. And if you get a photo, do what I do. And I've been doing this for many years. My wife sends me pictures all the time. So I text her and I said, did you just send me a picture? She goes, yes, I did. And then I'll open it. But if she, if she says, no, I didn't send you a picture, then perhaps that email was spoofed. And her email address was spoofed because we can collect our email addresses from anywhere. The second thing I would do is take advantage of monitoring your identity and all of your identity apparatus. So that does include, yeah, monitor your credit reports, but monitor your financial institutions, monitor your health care, EOBs, et cetera, for extraneous information, because all of that information is going to be uh, included in the hall that went out the door. Thank you again for joining us, Christopher. For additional information about the OPM breach, I encourage you to visit news.clearancejobs.com. This has been the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. Tune into our next episode as we continue to offer all the news you need to know about the security clearance process, defense industry careers, and more.